0: Uh, my name is uh, Tracy Colgrove. I'm the resident pastor here, if I haven't met you before. And uh, did anyone else hit uh, that mass of butterflies here uh, on the way here? Like, I- I'm just thinking about all the the gnats out there, right, and, and, and all the mosquitoes and everything that, that we have to worry about that, that's out there because of all the rain. I never thought that I would be attacked by butterflies, but... Um, yeah, it was kind of a mess, and I just saw a tornado of butterflies behind me on Highway 34. So anyways, uh, it's, it's good to be here, and, and yes, wow, it is hot outside. Um, we wanted summer, right? We were we were praying for the heat to come. I don't know, this is probably a little bit more than what we asked for, but it is here all the same. So, <clears throat> So... Um, just just come, over the last couple of days, I was just thinking about where I was at about a year ago now, and, and just looking at the time frame that we were in, we were actually getting ready to launch about a year ago. I think, was it, July 8th, right around there, the week after 4th of July? So, somewhere in that time frame, but at the same time, we were also, every year we'd do a trip out at uh, the lake lot that we had, and... Uh, we had guests coming, about 13, 14 guests that would come out every year in this annual event that we would have. And I remember, I think it was kind of just like what we went through. It was like rainy, 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 rainy after having that mild spring. And uh, it ended up that we had to cancel the event or a lot of the people couldn't come. There was, there was obviously flooding, there was uh, water issues, everything going on. And a part of me was glad because of that I guess that time in my life where things were starting to transition. um, In my own heart, uh, we had just uh, accepted the awesome opportunity that God gave us to come and help to plant this church, and uh, he just was starting to work in my heart. And uh, at that point in time, I didn't cry. Probably a year before that, I'll tell you, I would have been really upset that kind of saying, you know, God, what are you doing? You're raining on my parade. But it was really about a a heart shift in where I was at. Not that I didn't want to be with friends, but I was so excited about this new opportunity that God had given me to come here uh, to help, whether it be uh, help in construction or whatever. So um, I kind of let that go. But God was obviously doing some changes in my heart, and it was unsettled. We we just uh, had been in the acreage for about a year and uh, we were not not really settled there, and I'm not sure I'm kidding, but it, we're still not really settled there. <laughs> I don't know if that ever happens. Um, we have stuff hiding in the barns that used to be part of our house in Papillion, so hey, it's all right. God is good, and, and he takes care of us, and so I guess I'll go back to that point and, and finish the story for you at the end of the sermon, but it was kind of a crossroads in my life about a year ago where I was at, so um, I'm just excited to see what God does in my life. And, um, yeah, does God cancel vacations? I'm still trying to figure that one out as well. But, um, so I'm excited to get into this Psalm series and we'll be in, uh, Psalm 63 today. So if you'd like to open your Bible, uh, or, uh, get your smart device and, uh, check into that. Uh, I'd love for you guys to follow along. This was a little bit more of a challenge. I had to dig a little bit deeper into this sermon and and it definitely stretched me. And uh, it was exciting though because I learned a lot of stuff uh, in the process. So uh, just a few things that uh, I want to go through today and hit on. So the big idea is that only God satisfies. Um, And then I think we got the The main uh, point up there on slide two, uh, he blesses us abundantly, he keeps his promises, and he gives steadfast love. So let's jump into verse one. I'm just going to reread that again. Uh, Oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So as we look at the settings uh, out in uh, Psalm 63, David is, he is in the desert. He has fled into the wilderness uh, uh, near Judah and uh, he's actually running from his son Absalom and uh, Absalom rebelled against his father and uh, David and wants his uh, father dead. Although David's position is fleeting and and he's taken off and he is running. Uh, His passion for God is ever pursuing. He does not turn away from God in this moment. I mean, isn't that amazing to think in in a time like that, that he is desiring God above all, above nothing else. Someone is chasing him, trying to kill him, his own son. Um, I, I just can't even fathom that. It cannot get much worse than a son chasing you down sorry. And uh, wanting, just because he's so envious of all of the power that uh, his father has, David has, that he would take that all away in trying to kill his own father. He will stop at nothing to try to disgrace David. He opposes him in all ways. So um, David has been blessed abundantly by God and Uh, The only exception would be from the loyalty of his own son. David recognizes the danger that he's in, in this situation, and what does he do? He pulls God closer to his heart, and he just um, grabs a hold of God. Um, So we've learned in the last several weeks with David uh, that David, no matter whether he is in the highs or whether he is in the lows, the peaks, or down in the valleys, that he is with God. And uh, Jesus said, a good th- I'm sorry, God blesses David throughout his life because he continually comes back to the Lord as a faithful servant and a humble child of God. So Jesus said, good things will happen to people that are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. They will have the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 5 verse 10. And I truly see this verse in David's life. And uh, just talking about thirst, um, I'll, I'll jump into that in a minute. But Last weekend, I had the privilege of doing a wedding ceremony. I got to officiate my first. So it's just amazing to see God's blessings. Here I am just a few months into being a pastor, uh, a resident pastor. And God continues to open doors uh, for me. And uh, it's kind of a funny story. So it was a blessing. It was a learning experience. It was a little bit of everything, just like I'm up here today. It's a blessing and a learning experience. Uh, But So... Uh, it was probably like the low 80s, not like today. Uh, it, it was not that hot. It was cloudy out, but it was super humid out. And I didn't really check the humidity forecast. I checked the temperature forecast. The ceremony was outside, so didn't think a whole lot of it. It was in a shaded area. I went out there in the morning, checked out where we were. Uh, I was going to marry um, the couple. And the couple uh, was my uh, cousin's daughter, Uh, Annie, and uh, her fiancé, Chris. So uh, just a a great experience on top of already being blessed. It was a family relative, and my family was all there to watch. But so I was uh, outside. I talked with Jen. What should I wear? You know, uh, should I I dress up in a suit? Should I wear a shirt and tie? You know, should I wear like shorts and flip-flops? But um, I wanted to do well. I wanted to look well for my first sermon. I'm, I'm sorry, for my first officiating wedding. Um, and I did a little sermon, but uh, I, I decided to go with the suit. And lo and behold, the humidity level on that day was like unbearable. It was like 95% humidity. It was like the humidity that we have right now without the heat. So I had the suit on, and I am just sweating profusely. I'm dying under this jacket. And I wanted in the middle of the ceremony to take the jacket off, but I was afraid what you'd see underneath is that my shirt was soaked to the bone. <laughs> and so there was no hiding it. There was no running from that. And, and literally, if I could have cried out to God, Lord, help me out here. I'm dying. You got to help me out. Cool me off. The, you know, and and I didn't do that, but I was doing that inside. Believe me. And so, um, I couldn't grab my water quick enough. I do have a problem with having a parched mouth, so I hid my water back here. I will go to that. But uh, just as David uh, was running in the desert in the heat of the desert, um, it is. Sorry, I got the talk in here and I lost my spot. But anyways, yeah, David. Um, was in the desert, and he was being chased by Absalom. So he was in the heat of the desert. This guy, and I'm just thinking of myself when I'm going through Psalms here, and I'm like, get this guy an ice-cold Aquafina. You know, he's, and I'm paraphrasing here, but David says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. And he continues, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now, I kind of felt like, Obviously, like that, when I did the ceremony, no water. And I just can't believe that David wasn't crying out to God, help me, I'm dying of thirst here. I'm not going to make it. My son is chasing me. Um, but And he, he could have complained through that, but <clears throat> not David. You see, in the middle of David's difficult situation, he isn't crying out, help me, save me. He's saying, Father, I am always searching for you as if in the desert. I am always thirsty for you as if I were in a tired and parched land. There was not much water, and obviously we know it was very dry, and it was kind of a symbolism that made David think that he was dry, not in a way, again, of physical thirsting, but in a way that he was actually thirsty for God. So we would say that David is Blessing God by being a faithful follower. As David seeks the Lord, he finds satisfaction in knowing that God has him in that moment. Uh, Just a quote that uh, I think was awesome that Charles Spurgeon gave uh, about thirst. He said it best, Thirst is insatiable, longing after that which is one of the most essential supports of life. There is no reasoning with it. No despising it, no overcoming it by stoical indifference. Thirst may be heard. The whole man must yield to its power. And I truly could see David in that situation where thirst could have overcome him, but it was a different kind of thirst, right? It was a thirst for God that was inside of him that yearned for the Lord in the highs and the lows. So have you ever heard of, uh, had a hard time seeing something in life? You had to get through maybe this mess before you found it on the other side? To get to the part that really mattered? David was going through a very real and rough stuff here, rough time. And I think he's a great example of a guy that cuts to the chase, right? He goes right for the heart of Jesus. I'm sorry, right to the heart of God. Um, and grabs a hold of it and just holds on to it. So have you ever felt like um, that you were isolated from God? Maybe your own actions separated you from feeling close to him. Perhaps you felt like you didn't uh, belong next to him because maybe the thoughts that were running through your head were kind of off or a little bit dark. If, if you've ever felt this way, it may be because it's not so common like what David did in culture to be able through the peaks and the valleys to be able to consistently follow God no matter what. And, and it's not to say that there aren't people out there that do that, but the cultural norm definitely has you away from that, not walking faithful with God all the time like David did. So um, through the good and the bad, times, like David did, uh, he, he continually dedicated and followed Jesus. <clears throat> A person who f- follow, sorry, be the person who faithfully follows Jesus no matter what the outcome. Have you ever been, uh, ever heard the saying that uh, if it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't? Or how about if someone says it, it may be, The right decision, or uh, if it seems cool, it probably is. A lot of decisions that would be deemed right or acceptable in society are not the ones that that Jesus would point us to or God would point us to. Uh, He would definitely go against a lot of what the culture and society says. So we should follow Jesus knowing that that God did what he said, and his promises have been fulfilled. Uh, We have satisfaction in resting and seeing something that David didn't. We have Jesus Christ, uh, who was a promise of God that we are able to receive. So let's move on to verse 2. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. You see, David is far from being perfect, right? David was not a perfect father. He was not a perfect husband. Uh, He was not the perfect leader. So what what David did consistently throughout his life that pleased God? Over all things, he desired to be with God the Father. David was like a time traveler with God. He created space and time with his all-knowing and his all-loving father. The relationship flourished because he gave himself a quiet refuge in the sanctuary and the wilderness. Whether he was on sorry, whether he was in the wilderness or on his throne, it did not matter. He completely dedicated himself to the Lord to be with him, to feel his presence. He, uh, was a complete act of submission. He was a king that humbled himself before the king of kings. And that, um, that's not something that we see uh, a, a king always doing. He submitted, he praised, he prayed, he worshipped, and he cried out to God and he got on his knees. Again, hard to think of a king in that aspect, but he was a man that was for the king of kings. <clears throat> So we as God's people must get to that place of refuge that we see with David. Uh, Our minds and bodies need to stop and just take a break. We, like David, need to make a beeline straight for Jesus uh, when we are broken as well as when we are celebrating. So I've been thinking this topic that God has put on my mind lately. I chatted a little bit with Jason about it, but just kind of thinking of Rural church communities versus like city uh, communities or city city church communities, and uh, for some reason, God just continually brings me back to this conversation and Over the last couple of days as i 've been preparing the sermon i 've had several conversations with people, and that 's no coincidence just kind of relating and and, and going through about what it is about small town and culture and what it is with the city and how they come together. So I came from a similar background in a rural community, and I find it pretty easy to relate to y'all And uh, in the small town, right? And then I, I also lived in larger cities, so um, I, I kind of get the vibe of the larger cities, but obviously I, I choose small town and rural over the city. That is where my heart is at. So um, <clears throat> I think whether you're in the big city or the small town, we can isolate ourselves from, from God and uh, not just emotionally, uh, but spiritually and also uh, physically, uh, we can, we can um, separate ourselves from him. And I've been thinking specifically about that culture and how it fits in, and conformity has kind of been coming to me and where that all fits in and how we as rural folks fit in to that conformity. And by the way, shouldn't we be called country lights, we uh, I mean, doesn't city light, I mean, doesn't it imply that you're bigger? Although Jason said he knows a guy that, that comes from a town population that we did at the men's group. I think it was like, what, 17? Yeah, so, and he said, boy, 450, that's a, that's a big town, a big city, yeah, I'm sorry. So I guess it all depends on perspective and what, who you're speaking with. But, and sorry, today I didn't wear my boots, uh, Jason, uh, I've got my shoes, and I, I realized after I brought my shoes, I'm wearing God's shoes today. I, it looks like I had a blowout there in my shoes. So, yeah, you don't want to take a picture of this. I, I don't have my boots. I've got God's shoes on today, so my holy shoes. Um, but. Jason, there's kind of an ongoing joke that Jason likes to uh, have here where he's up here snapshotting pictures of me each week. Maybe it's Steph, and she's secretly doing it. I don't know. <laughs> but, and then he sends it out to the City Light pastors, uh, uh, specifically in Council Bluffs, and he thinks it's pretty funny. Again, maybe it's Steph that's got a hold of that phone. I saw her taking a picture, but yes, yes. But anyways, I guess take a picture of this and say, Tracy is a holy man after all, right? It's already going live. (laughs) So, um, anyways, society will paint a picture of what life is supposed to look like um, if you let it. And I lost my place. All right, sorry. Uh, and, And just like if we let culture norm conform us, It will. So it is important that we know Christ, right? That we know Jesus Christ and he is the one that we should be conforming to. That we know that he is the one that we should be pointed to, not culture. We as a people do not have to follow society and conform to it. We can carve through just like David did and followed God and carve through society with Jesus, and people can conform to us and what we have made through Jesus Christ in our life. So, and this doesn't mean that, you know, you can't have those, you know, cool gadgets, you can't have the trendy clothes that Jason uh, likes that I, my shoes and everything else that's going on, that vibe, or, or that we can't have fashion, right? But that we should ultimately look to Christ Uh, for him to direct us and speaking of conforming and culture um, you look at society today and it's so easy like we're what are we 40 miles from uh, from Omaha give or take a few miles Um, just looking at the distance and and I kind of talked about how we can isolate ourselves but it's It's so easy today to be able to pick up a phone, pick up an iPad, and you're talking to someone. You're looking at someone in Omaha um, or or in the Midwest or even across the world. Uh, The world is getting smaller, uh, and uh, we are all becoming more interconnected and interweaved. And uh, that's good, and that can also be bad. You know, you have FaceTime, you have Snapchat, whatever that is, I'm not quite sure. But the world is definitely getting smaller, and there are all kinds of things that give us temporary satisfaction that we look to, things that we pull into our heart that we see other people doing or that we do. So it gives us a sense, maybe we should be like this, maybe we should do that, but uh, it is only temporary satisfaction and it will quickly turn to thoughts into what we should or shouldn't be. What we quickly forget again is that society, we can make it what we want. We should ask God to slow our lives down. We need to seek Christ and desire to be with him. Society has nothing on Jesus, y'all. Society has nothing on Jesus. So um, we, we should be like David. We should conform to God Pull him close, and uh, like David was able to see God in the sanctuary, beholding God, God's power and God's glory. Sanctuary is where um, David would have went to um, worship God, to praise him. Obviously, we didn't have uh, the temple yet. We didn't have the church at that time. That did not come until David's younger uh, brother, uh, I'm sorry. Um, Absalom's younger brother, David's other son, Solomon, later built the temple. So, and David has a special relationship with God because he has that nonstop connection. He has trained his senses to be so in tune with God's heart uh, that he can go to that place and he can have God wherever he is um, and desiring and loving God. David was able to find satisfaction in his God. He was able to feel God constantly, never ending, never failing, love that was so overwhelming and powerful that he felt God's steadfast love. So we move on to verse 3. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. So David speaks to God's steadfast love. He speaks of it. David tried to reciprocate what God was giving him. And what I mean is David tried to be consistent in seeking and desiring God like he continually loved him the same always, no matter what. David praised God, and he didn't speak ill of him. He trusted in God's promises and his guidance. He didn't question God's motives, even if uh, when they didn't turn out well for him, he, he still followed God. We should learn to love God like David did consistently, uh, like he loves us, and without ill feelings. We should lift up our hands and praise him always. For us, we will never find true satisfaction apart from Jesus. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. If we do not put ourselves in a quiet place, we will not hear from Him. If we do not stop and look, we will not uh, see Him move in our own lives. And if we uh, do not... um, sorry, and God put you here in this place for a reason. You are here. You know you're here for a purpose, and that is definitely true. Small towns and rural areas offer something that cities strive for. They pay millions of dollars to get that small town feel, that sense of uh, pride, of oneness, um, and uh, tranquility, peace, belonging. All of those things are things that Cities want to be. They want to be like that small town. If you follow Jesus and you plant Him in your lives uh, for satisfaction, others can conform to us. Saint Augustine said, "You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you." Over uh, your lifespan, you hope to see spiritual growth, and you also hope to see that hope that your senses will be trained to help us get to be like where David was and uh, discern good from evil, to follow him uh, and his will. We as Christians need solid food on a daily basis to see spiritual growth. And what I mean when I say uh, solid food would be um, what we get um, in relation, I'm sorry, what does it mean in relation to scripture? We can think of this in context of God's word and God's uh, scripture, sorry, God's word and the practice we put it into. So reading, studying, memorizing, meditating, those are all solid foods. And it takes daily practice to see God in that sanctuary like David did. David says, your steadfast love is better than life. Even as we sin, God continues to love his people. Steadfast love is an integral part, integral part of the character of God. Exodus 34, 6-7 says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God of merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation? So many of us try to find um, our own satisfaction in different things and comfort. So there's work, money, relationships, joy, family, hobbies, um, and even substance abuse. Um, I know that I could check the box on several of those things that have been through the course of my life. When we look at these things for complete satisfaction, we demonstrate that we are trying to uh, meet the needs of our own heart, not Jesus. And, uh, Belonging, acceptance, love, self-esteem, personal worth, significance, comfort, when you realize that these things only bring you temporary satisfaction, it points us back to Christ where it belonged in the beginning. God meets every need and he satisfies us fully. Only God satisfied. You cannot improve on God's work. Without the relationship of Jesus in your life, realizing that he has accepted us, you and I, as the broken, messed up selves that we are, I mean, these things will only bring, like I said, temporary satisfaction. What do you look like to find your, what do you look to to find your satisfaction? What is stopping you from finding your satisfaction in Jesus Christ? We see that David is clinging to God, right? During this time of trouble, and he says that he is the one who upholds him. When times of trouble, stress, mourning, pain, or wrongful actions um, can be ways that they play out your, what happens in the aftermath, uh, anger. But we need to be directed to Jesus once again for that satisfaction, Uh, Another good quote, C.S. Lewis says, I find myself a desire which no experience in the world can satisfy. The most probable explanation that I was made for another world, if none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only arouse it to suggest the real thing. Isn't that awesome? So, uh, moving on to verse seven and eight, for you have seen, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you; your right hand upholds me. So here we see uh, David's joyful dependence on God. David is remembering God is his projector. I'm sorry, projector. God is his protector and he rejoices in that comfort. The Old Testament gives us a picture of God as a bird. And uh, David is hiding under God's wing when he is in danger. David's soul, it holds tightly to God and he is confirmed and supported um, when he is in danger um, under his wings. And This doesn't it sound, doesn't sound amazing to feel loved, nurtured, and cared for by Almighty God in one of your darkest hours? Uh, just as David would us in our lives, we can feel that. Um, we are just like the little baby bird in the nest with mother and father nuzzling us closely and holding us through whatever is happening in our lives. So how can we get to this place? It would seem that if David feels such protection in the arms of his father, and at the same moment as well as being comforted, he is close to God. That he literally so close to God that he literally feels God's presence next to him. The beam of God's light is warming his soul as he sings. But um, verses nine and ten. But those who seek to destroy my life, shall go down in the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. Uh, They shall be a portion for jackals. So we see that David is praying a prayer uh, uh, to God to protect him by destroying his enemies. Those whom wish to injure him, uh, he is praying that God will send them uh, to their death and into the grave, they will be a portion for jackals after uh, killed by the sword. That's pretty, pretty rough for a prayer. And in this day and age, uh, it wasn't uncommon uh, to have to possibly have a prayer like that uh, for your enemies that try to hurt, kill, or persecute you. This is called a prayer of imprecation, and I won't ask you that later. So, but it's praying that bad things will happen to people. Um, it is a little harder for us to wrestle with in this day and age. But Jesus clarified this when he came about and he said, you shall not make those prayers. Jesus says in Matthew five forty four, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So we will still pray for God's protection over us from our enemies, right? And we pray for our protection against our enemy, Satan. Uh, but uh, that, that has not changed and then uh, the final verse 11, it says, But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. Verse 11 is speaking to the victory over his enemies, and he is thanking God for what he has done and what he will do. King David is praising God for his dead enemies, no lies will come out of a shut mouth. Those who are dead, um, all who declare God shall celebrate. So, um, really, he's yeah, he's just celebrating what God has done and what is to come, and for victory uh, in in what He has saved him from. So, uh, just wanted to go into reading a quick verse just to close out. Um, and, and go back to my story here and uh, read a quick verse that uh, is my life verse. I don't know if any of you guys have a life verse, but uh, this one is mine and it is Matthew 4, uh, verse 19. <clears throat> and I'm kind of going a bit off script here, so Jason is probably scared what I'm doing right now. Okay. So 419, and I, and I have this memorized, but obviously I'm nervous up here. So, And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. So back in uh, 2012, I had a dream. And this uh, was the dream that I heard with Jesus speaking to me through this verse. And so uh, this, this verse means so much to me. And, and I just think about this picture of Peter and the disciples in the fishing boat and they are there and Jesus comes and all of a sudden they just drop their nets. They just go. They hear what Jesus has to say and they go and they follow him. So to me, um, in that story, I was just thinking about where I was at a year ago and just trying to, uh, I guess, point everything back to what we've gone through here. Um, first, that God has blessed me abundantly, um, just, just like uh, we went through in the points. I used to say that I was blessed to have all these different things in my life. And what really it, it boiled down to was about when I was in that moment at the campground about a year ago, God was working in my heart and he was doing things. And, and, and I saw a picture of how blessed I really was Uh, in the things that I had in my life. And it didn't matter about the car that I had, the the camper that I had, the lake lot. Um, It mattered that I had Jesus Christ in my heart and uh, my family and my friends. And so I just feel that blessing, that abundant blessing that just pours out from Jesus. Uh, And um, I just thank him for that. And I thank him for his steadfast love that through my whole life, he has been with me. He walked with me, and uh, I just think, you know, man, if, if you see how God loves us in that steadfast love continually, nonstop, and He's always there, I just think, man, I just want to be like Peter. I just want to step out of that boat, and I want to go, and so that's where I was in July of last year, and uh, it, just, it just spoke to my heart, and then um, how how we can just drop everything and just go and just do that, and then uh, God keeps His promises. Uh, he promised that He would deliver a son in Jesus Christ, and He did, and He died. He knows, he just wants us to come close to him and be in that moment with him. We know that we're going to mess up. We know that we're not going to be perfect, but the biggest thing is that we come back to him. We humble ourselves. We come back to him, and uh, we're going to mess up, and that's okay. That's why God gave us Jesus. So that is all I have for you. It is such a blessing to, to go through this today. Um, just know that God, only God satisfies he blesses you abundantly, he keeps his promises, and he gives us everlasting, steadfast love. So if we can just uh, finish in prayer, and then we'll go a move towards uh, doing um, communion today. Father, I just thank you uh, for this congregation. I thank you, Lord God, that uh, you have walked me through this, uh, that uh, I have been able to learn so much, And I just pray for this congregation as they go out today. But let us just come to you, Lord God. Maybe uh, somebody out there in the audience hasn't uh, had that moment with you. And uh, they don't know you, uh, Jesus. And uh, we just pray, Lord God, that maybe as we're sitting here taking communion, that you would uh, just let them sit in quietness and come to you, God, and invite you and your son into their heart. We just pray this in your mighty name, Lord. Amen.